Welcome to Shed the Music Spotlight Podcast. My name is Bob Haversat. I'm a high school music teacher and co-founder of ShedTheMusic.com. Today I'm joined by Robert Kilvington Shaw. He is a middle school teacher and head of visual performing arts at the American International School in Hong Kong. Originally from the UK, Robert taught in an inner city comprehensive school in London for six years. It's here where he first came across the pedagogical approaches inherent in musical futures, such as non-formal teaching and informal learning. Concepts which Robert continues to place at the forefront of his classroom practice. He has since worked in the international teaching sector since 2015, firstly at Garden International School in Thailand and now in his current position in Hong Kong. He majored on the bass guitar as part of his popular music and recording undergraduate degree at the University of Salford and continues to play the bass in Hong Kong's music scene. He's a passionate composer, producer, music technology enthusiast, and a genuinely nice guy. Thank you, Robert, for for coming on the podcast. Cheers, Bob. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Really excited to have a, a good chat with you and discuss things all music ed. Me too. And and this is the first time that uh, we're we're doing this on YouTube live. So I have I have my iPad here, and there's there's a person. There's one person watching. So the one person you can tell us some stuff, and we'll we'll. <laughs> We'll try to be uh, as communicative as possible with you. Um, it's probably my mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, before we did a live stream of my music awards barbecue last night and it went really well. And I was talking to my wife about this. Like the first time I started podcasting, it was like I, I was so on edge because I didn't know how it was going to go. It's like this is this new new realm, this new medium. And then I started doing more podcasts. And it's like, oh, it's kind of like I, I love talking to people, which is what it's all about. It's all about making that connection uh, and then, you know, helping other people understand different things differently. But I didn't feel that same like on the edge of my seat anymore. I needed like to find a new way to inject a big box of fire ants all over my body so I can get like charged up. And so like an hour and a half ago, I got this idea of like, why don't we do this on YouTube live? So uh, Robert's such a good sport. He was like, sure, fine, cool. Um, so Robert, do you, have, do, you have, do you have kids? I have a daughter who just turned two a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, she was born and raised here in Hong Kong so far. Yeah, it's great being a dad. Um, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's brilliant. Isn't it? You as well, right, Bob? You've got, I think, similar age, maybe, or? I have, I'm, uh, I'm two, I'm not two, I'm 34, but I have a three-year-old and a four-year-old who's about to turn five, um, which brings me to my first question. I like to keep uh, things light right at the top. What was the last kid song that got stuck in your head that you did not want to be there? Oh, well, I have three permanently on rotation, so my daughter's favorites are Twinkle Twinkle, um, uh, Baba Black Sheep, and This Old Man. Uh, it's really cute because she can actually pitch like the first intervals now and she'll, she'll sing them at me and then just sit there and wait for me to continue singing it to her and then I'll finish the song and then she just goes straight back into it again. It's like round and round and round. It's still, it's still, it's a cool thing. Um, yours are all classic. I wish mine was, mine is this like alpha blocks thing. It's like B is the B with the big blue bass and it's just that, but it's in my head just on loop. It's just, yeah, right. it's, it's horrible. The uh, earworm that you can't, you can't get rid of, right? There's nothing worse. Nothing worse. Nothing worse. Uh, actually, I wrote, I wrote a song today, and I, I got in my head, 
and I felt like like a complete narcissist because I got my own tune stuck <laughs> in my head. It was like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So, congrats on the new gig. Uh, you told me that you got your like dream gig. Is that that true? No, unfortunately not. Actually, yeah, Bob's referring to a, a job uh, interview I had recently, um, but it was great. It was a really good experience. Um, I got great feedback, and uh, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying I got just pipped to the post. So, out of 70 applicants, that's that, that's pretty heartwarming. Um, and yeah, I don't know if anyone else out there has been in this situation recently. The whole job rejection thing. Uh, it's tough, right? Um, this was a, 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 I mean, I love my job right now where I am, but this one was just um, a few stepping stones ahead. Um, but it's given me the impetus to really sort of think what I do uh, that, that I think is, is positive and strong and where I want to build my practice and go forward. So I'm using the, uh, I'm not seeing it as rejection. I'm seeing it as the ability to, um, like you say, the fire ants thing, right, Bob? Just like, you know, put myself in a position where I'm like, okay, let's re-energize, let's, let's um, look at um, polishing my practice and what I can do. So yeah, my, my game in terms of things like podcasting and stuff, I've never done any of this before, but um, definitely reaching out for PD and stuff, uh, which is where I came across Shed the Music. Uh, Twitter, blogging, all those things are kind of my, on my horizon too now as well. So I'm excited, it's cool. It's nice to actually reach out and connect to, to other music uh, educational specialists and, and be part of this online community. I feel so bad. I no, that's we all right. Have, Don't worry about it. These I things thought we happen, were going to have know? a celebration. Look, I have, <laughs> I have balloons off, off, out of frame. I have a party popper. Uh, oh, man. I'm sorry. Hey, you'll save them for next time, right? I'll let you know. They'll, they'll probably be down the line. Who knows what the future holds, right? Yeah, I'll save the party pop. I don't. I don't think they have expiration dates. I got good ones. The old ones went. They went. They were duds. And then when I pulled them, it was just. Bleh. So I'll, I'll save them. I'll save the good ones for you. Um, nice. Yeah, I mean, this year has all been about either looking at what we have as an obstacle or as an opportunity. And it seems like you're the kind mm -hmm. of person that um, takes it as an opportunity instead of an obstacle. Is that correct? I'd like to think so. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I am the most, you know, upbeat, positive person of all time. I think we've all been through quite a roller coaster of, of experiences and emotions. In fact, you know what? I don't even really know what those experiences have been like outside of Hong Kong. I've not had the mental capacity to even really keep track of what's been going on in the world, certainly in, in terms of our industry and our profession, right? But um, yeah, I think uh, holistically speaking, I'm pretty um, safe saying that we've all been through a lot of up and downs this last year. And sometimes the, you have to acknowledge that there are down moments too. But I eventually use those to kind of re energize and I think I'm quite a resilient person and quite a courageous person and um, yeah sometimes you've got to learn that when there's a brick wall ahead of you there's no there's no point in banging your head against it you've got to find a way over under around uh, and you move on to, to, to that sort of solution oriented way of thinking I guess certainly I do anyway you know after a bit of a rant every now and again but hey I'm only human at the end of the day <laughs> right yeah, that, and that feeling you get, like those butterflies when you're reaching the brick wall and you're like, oh, okay, there, there's a brick wall. Um, I was telling my students this the other day. It's like that feeling of butterflies is what I experienced every time uh, I had a, an amazing life event. 
you know, like butterflies before my first kid was born, butterflies before the first time I set foot on uh, going to like a jam session, butterflies for all these things. I've talked about it on the podcast before. I call it like a, um, a, I talked about it before. That's it has a name. I gave it a name and it's, it's gone now, which is great. Um, so that's, that's Rob laughing at me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I like to engineer those experiences with my students, but we've all been put in that. And I could tell you based on like just being in contact with you, like the experience that you're having in Hong Kong right now is very similar to everyone. And one of the cool things is that, you know, we're all music teachers and we are in this amazing profession. We get, we have the gift of being able to teach music to students and because we're all in a very similar situation you know it's 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 easy to get stuck in your own world but it seems like everyone is going through kind of the same thing can can you walk us through like what your year i don't i don't want trigger warning for you i don't know if you you're going to get like the cold sweats <laughs> or like you know just like, try to run and hide but uh can you talk us through your last year and like you know, fully remote, hybrid. I mean, it might be good for us to just hear what things were like there. It's probably very similar. Um, so can you just tell us about that? Sure. Yeah, no problem. I think the thing I'd like to start with is to um, just remind people that in Hong Kong, there was the protest movement just before COVID hit as well. So even before COVID arrived, we were cognizant of, of you know, potential safety issues. Um, and so I think people's... Um, talk about trigger responses. I think people were on a bit of a heightened state of alert even before COVID hit. And then we went straight from that into COVID. Um, so our situation's been, well, I'll tell, I'll tell you this, we are currently negotiating the potential for going on to schedule G. So what's that? A, B, C, D, E, F, schedule number seven of the school year. So we've had six different schedules so far. Um, now, I think we've been very fortunate compared to, I believe, other places, parts of the world, which have had much more sustained periods of lockdown or certainly more sustained periods of COVID cases. Hong Kong's done fairly well, but part of the reason why we've done fairly, fairly well is we've got pretty stringent um, guidelines to follow and restrictions. So we have definitely been in a full lockdown, full online mode for um, you know a sustained period of time, like. I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I've sort of pushed it all out the back of my mind now in terms of the actual details, but certainly for a, at least a trimester, I think we were online indefinitely the whole time. And then we've done a few different iterations of hybrid modes. Um, and now we are currently in um, on campus all the time, but only half days. So we're a pretty small campus. Uh, Hong Kong's very compact, so the architecture here there's not lots of space. So we have to be in this kind of half day model because we're only allowed to have a certain set amount of students on campus at any one time. So I currently teach the senior cohort of middle school in the afternoon with the junior cohort coming in in the morning and the similar kind of splits for elementary school and high school too. So we're a full K through 12 school here. Um, we are potentially looking at um, opening that up to um, more possibilities of coming back to school in a more quote-unquote normal capacity but that's currently being being discussed and um, yeah that's something that's on the on the table at the moment but you know what it's like as well you've always got in the back of your mind that any minute now 
um, any moment now things could quickly rapidly change we've actually had that happen before where we went to one schedule where we were hybrid and really um, you know um, rejoicing with the fact that we we're back on school with our kids back on campus and then in about two or three days four days it became clear that we we're going to go back into lockdown so yeah it's been a roller coaster of a year as i said does that sound similar to kind of experiences you've had bob and the experiences you know of other uh, teachers it's so so scary similar i mean we don't have yeah. letters to our schedules i mean we don't have seven <laughs> schedules like you're not missing out man <laughs> <laughs> um but you know same same kind of thing like uh we were fully remote from march 2020 to november and then uh, with obviously the summer in between and then we went um hybrid for a little bit and then we're like nope and then we went back and then we have been like hybrid with students still remote um so there are students that I've never seen before that I have. And the interesting thing is with those students, since we started remote and we were all remote, I think I know those students better than I know the students that I've only seen in person, which is so very – like I've seen what they have on their bookshelves. You know, like I, for some <laughs> of the students, I definitely see what their ceiling looks like. Um, yeah. because <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Oh, but yeah. it's, it's just so strange, like – there are some students that I know would be way more reserved in person that have been able to express themselves and maybe let see way more of them. And it's been really cool. And I think that, you know, moving forward, I want to somehow incorporate elements of whatever we did in remote, like over the summer, we have to think about it because those students felt safe for the first time to be able to be themselves. And um, I don't know, we've got to try to re-engineer. So do you have students right now that, because um, I know you say you still have like an alternating block of students that are coming in um, like every other day. Do you have students that are still fully remote? Very, very few, uh, to be honest with you. We have some students who are currently overseas um, and were overseas whilst we were in either fully online or hybrid mode. And then with the restrictions on movement and travel, it's been difficult for them to return. But we're talking, you know, across the whole middle school, less than half a dozen so in that sense, we're fortunate that actually we do have some sense of normality in terms of our student population being able to be together on campus. You're right, though, there is definitely, and, and I think you're right about the summer vacation, having to find time to unpack this all, because I've not had the time to unpack it, but there are things that were successful about online teaching that reached particular students I can think of one student who's quite quiet, um, who perhaps I underestimated in a, in a normal practical music making on campus capacity and doing um, composition and soundtrack. Um, she, she did one of the, the best pieces and it made me think about that, you know, um, different kind of learning styles, different learning environments. Um, I do also think though that we suffered from the, the, the longevity of online school. And when we finally had kids coming back on campus, even in a hybrid model, it couldn't have come soon enough. And I actually had almost like a reverse experience that you're discussing when I had some students come back through the door and sit down for 10 minutes. I, I was like, oh, there you are. I remember you now. Where have you been the last three months? Like, who are you at home, who, you know, over the screen? Some kids, it just didn't really seem to suit either. Um, it seems to be quite polarizing. I, I don't know if you have that um, judgment as well, Bob, that some kids definitely shone 
but other kids, the kids you wouldn't even expect, actually. Some of my musical kids just didn't seem to really get on with online school. And I think they just got fatigued with it, right? That's, that's my experience of it today. 100%. And we still have kids, like I still have a class where half the kids are still online. Um, mm. And talk about fatigue, like they've been online since March. Some of them, because they're they're concerned about coming back. Some of them, they've learned that they can cheat on honors physics tests at home. So why not stay at home? Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, next year's looking good. We actually have a, our school's a vaccination site tomorrow. And it was announced an hour and a half ago that anyone 12 through 16 can get a vaccine tomorrow. Um, yeah. Wow. That's great news. Yeah. No, I, I'm just like, Oh, I mean, I want to like, donate my time and get like a couple speakers and like DJ gear and like DJ the, the vaccine party. Like let's all shots. <laughs> I'll play the song shots, but it'll be, I thought you were like, going to say, I thought you were going to say donate my time and uh, sign up to do some in, in, you know, inoculations then <laughs> you're going to get, um, get the needles out and start vaccinating people. <laughs> I'll get the needles out and I'll start turning the tables. <laughs> nice. Nice. Thanks. Yeah. Got a pivot. <laughs> Um, so you have shared, uh, images. I think actually it was in like the, so you were in beat Boot Camp, the, this PD thing that I ran and, uh, you showed a video of your classroom setup and it just like blew me away. I actually talked to my kids about it today because it was a kid that was wanting to purchase an electronic drum set, uh, over the summer so he can, pra he lives in an apartment, he wants to practice. And I was like, speaking of electronic drums, let me tell you about this classroom. So can you tell us about how your classroom is structured? Uh, and then I guess you could uh, move into like how you use that structure and like what your curriculum is, how you teach, what you teach and everything like that. Yeah, sure. If I can share a screen, is that an op opportunity? Because I can actually show you as well. So I'll talk through it for the podcast, but I'm going to try share screen here. I did a bit of prep work, Bob. If you share a screen, it might explode. We'll find out. We'll see if it explodes. I'm going to keep Let's it on do me. It. Are you if feeling you the fire ants right now? If you share the screen, it explodes. It'll still just be on me. It'll have everything look pretty. Okay, so um, uh, I've got some pictures on my yet. screen. Hey, hey, look at that. Okay. Hey, nice. Okay. I see. So here's some quick snaps this morning of my of my classroom. So the first things first that you'll see is it's like a greenhouse in terms of all these kind of plastic film screens everywhere. This is uh, some of the uh, stipulations that the Educational Bureau here in Hong Kong say we need to follow. So we have to um, have kids a meter or more apart or they have to be separated by some sort of permanent screening. So um, um, I um, have in my classroom um, what I call a band hub. And that band hub um, runs through um, a Roland HS5 session mixer. So everything goes through, there we go, next slide, this. Um, it's a great piece of kit. Um, so all the kids are on headphones. So into this, you've got A, B, C, D, and then I actually pinch the, the, the sort of auxiliary channel as well, input for, for a fifth channel. So I can put keyboard through the fifth channel, and then I put bass, drums, guitar, ukuleles, and also every channel has a mic input as well. So we can do up to, up to four microphones if needed as well. And it's quite kind of cool this because they've got inbuilt sort of presets for um, like amp sims and stuff. So for example, B channel B, 
well, this whatever kid had this last has changed it to guitar, but that should say bass there. And that's got like a, you know, an EQ set, a curve for a bass and like an amp sim and a bit of compression. So they out of the box generally sound pretty good. Um, and I teach the kids how to um, basically kind of get a mix for themselves and balance themselves amongst everybody else. So uh, they have like a phone's control, which controls the, the headphone output, just everybody. And then this my mix is really powerful. The my mix allows them to blend between their volume and everybody else's volume. Um, so uh, yeah, that's the kind of central uh, piece of equipment that I use for the for the hubs, and as I said, I've got five of them. Um, I've got some acoustic instruments, um, uh, but I'm, I'm sort of switching over to electroacoustics uh, where possible. Um, I think the next phase of, of, of this for me is also trying to integrate some fully acoustic instruments so students want to do that. Like if a kid wants to bring their violin, it is possible to go back and mic up a violin and have that coming through the headphones still as well. Um, so the, the blend, because obviously the electroacoustic stuff still plays out loud, singers still sing out loud but because all the kids are on headphones they kind of deal with that really really well so the blend between electronic or electric signals and acoustic electric signals is working really nice um so yeah there's a good shot so as you can see i've got a, a range of keyboards uh, every band hub has a, an electronic drum kit uh, and as you know bob i'm quite proud of this i got everything the keyboards i inherited when i got here and that was it um, we had some kind of old lapidated nylon strung acoustic guitars so I, I was tasked with a fairly generous budget, um, but still certainly nowhere near the amount of money required to get all this equipment. So we bought the Roland HS5s brand new. And then everything else you see, I got secondhand from Facebook Marketplace. So here in Hong Kong, quite fortunate that um, because it's really, really small and everybody lives in these tiny shoebox apartments, nobody's really got the access to space to make a lot of noise. So there's a lot of this kind of electronic equipment floating around on the used market. So um, yeah, that's where I got it all from. Uh, I think that's my last slide there. Yes, yeah, my last slide. So um, yeah, I hope that gives you like an overview of the equipment. Um, and then I'll go off, stop sharing now and hope things don't explode. No explosions. We're, we're, we're good. good, there you go. Um, so curriculum wise, um, it's still a work in progress for me because I inherited something that just didn't work for me as a teacher. Um, and I knew that also the, the, the curriculum that was here when I got here just needed an injection of new life. So um, I um, taught in a school in London, as you mentioned at the beginning of this session, um, Morpeth School in Bethnal Green in London, which was a Musical Futures champion school. And in short, Musical Futures um, is an organization or was at the time an organization from the UK that was looking at engagement in music in classrooms and there was a disconnect especially at key stage three which is kind of middle middle school age right there was a disconnect between the engagement that students were demonstrating in the classroom but then the obvious passion and love for music they had outside of the classroom so musical futures looked at how um pop musicians learned music informally i'm thinking of people like well the beatles for example who didn't have any formal training, but you know, in their own time, I think they all went to art college or something, right? Just so they could kind of move out of home and uh, still be in a band basically. So looking at how they were um, 
um, relating to uh, music and how they're experiencing music in their own time uh, informally without any real formal education. So a lot of what I do comes off the, the, the sort of back of that non-formal learning, informal teaching approach where uh, I'm often demonstrating modeling alongside the kids. I'm learning with the kids. So right now, I'll give you an example of a, of a unit of work we're doing. It's something from Musical Futures called In at the Deep End. And it really is throwing the kids into the deep end saying, right, there you go. There's instruments. Learn a song. Find it. A song you want to do. Um, help each other to figure it out. Use, use your, your listening skills. Go online. Find resources. Um, and use me as a resource as well. So often I'm learning these songs from scratch because it's the kids' music, right? And this is not what I always do for everything in class. Because I also think as educators, we have a responsibility to expose kids to music they haven't yet heard. But this particular scheme of work is about the kids bringing their music into the classroom. And 99% of the time, it's music that I am not familiar with. So I am learning it from scratch and modeling that alongside the kids. So rather than being the, you know, the authority figure at the front of the classroom who knows all, I'm sitting down saying, I don't know, let's work it out with the kids. So that's pretty powerful. And then... In terms of the equipment and how I use it to teach, there's something really interesting about headphones that I hadn't experienced previously. So before in London and Thailand, I was lucky enough to have um, resources and facilities where we'd have a central teaching space, but then also breakout rooms enough to kind of divide kids into bands that way. So they were doing everything acoustically or um, amplified, right? But there's something about the headphones where they go on the headphones and they sort of just zoom into their own kind of world. Um, and I can kind of go around the classroom with a microphone and a pair of headphones myself and kind of plug in, talk to them and plug out again. So uh, uh, like sonically speaking, it's like diving into this kind of, I don't know, this, this, this um, world that kind of only exists sonically for those kids in those headphones. And it really does something about focus and attention. It concentrates their listening more than anything else, which has been really beneficial. Um, yeah, so I hope that gives you like a, a sort of a, a, a loose holistic overview of kind of how I use the equipment and, and how, I, how I do it. It is all modern band stuff right now. Currently, just because of COVID stipulations, again, means I kind of have to have a setup that's set up permanently that works with the rooming requirements, the direction kids are allowed to face, the screens. But I do do other things like um, I'll teach the orchestra, for example, and we'll set the whole class up as an orchestra and we'll, we'll use the instruments we have. Um, we'll use other instruments that the, the students might already play should they want to bring them in too. Um, so we'll use kind of modern band equipment potentially, like keyboards and different sounds and stuff. Um, but we're playing very much like orchestral music. So it's not always about, I think there's a there's a maybe a, a misconception with musical futures. And maybe, Bob, do you have this about modern band in the States, that modern band or musical futures equals pop music? Uh, equals, you know, trap music or whatever the kids listen to. It doesn't have to be that. It's a pedagogical approach through which you can teach any style or genre from any period. There's so much that I want to unpack and I have so many things and I want to start with headphones and then I'll eventually get to your question. Well, the answer to your question. Sweet. So I, yeah, that's one of the things that I found with remote learning is, you know, the, the focus issue, you know, and today I was giving my, my students an assignment and I can tell they had so much more focus than any other previous year. This is like an intro guitar class. So it's a, like a general population class and they had so much more focus. And I think it's because they were, you know, they learned how to practice by themselves in their house. And I think what you are, 
you know, what you're talking about is they're learning how to be a band, but just in this little bubble um, in the shower curtains that you have over there. Um, And I, I, I took your idea of the headphones and your stations that you had. And we had these uh, silent disco headphones at my school there. They run radio frequencies. So there's zero latency and like I outfitted, we did a modern band for the first time this year, and we outfitted the whole band with uh, these headphones, and they're able to just hear themselves, and then you can like mix it, and it kind of sounds like a recording, and they play different, they're focused different, it's not a regular rehearsal, and actually the band director at my school is using them for hybrid like every day, like they're wearing headphones every day, like a whole class of 40 kids all on headphones, so you could play a backing track, they can hear it, they, you can play, like a kid that's remote could play and then all the kids can play with that kid but you don't have to worry about weird echoes because of microphones in the room and stuff it's been it's been really transformative it's actually a a uk-based company silent disco king those are the the headphones that we that we've been using have like a a picture of uh so we did like this this uh video shoot and here's just like a that's you this is so we have like these press play i'm trying to press play it's not working so this is only going to work on the youtube thing but you can see like in this this video they have these headphones and they're all linked to a, a mixer um, but I, I love the idea of them learning how to mix and it's super like that my mix knob is really cool i remember um, using a presonus mixer uh and then if you have like the the app there's an you can you can have you could be in control of your own mix bus and then there's a there's a big knob that just says like me and you could turn me up and me turns everyone <laughs> else down and just turns you up, which I mean is a super important thing, but what a great way for students to learn how to mix by hearing it. You know, it's all this experiential learning, which is kind of what you're, what you're, what you're talking about. And yeah, I think the working it out with the kids, like what you're saying is like the kids pick a song you've never heard it before. You know, you, you're showing, instead of being the director with the coattails at the front and your like selection of batons that you got from Diagon Alley, you know, from Mr. Ollivander's wand shop, instead of like, you know, be like, mm, I am the conductor. I, I am the professional musician and you are my musical puppets. Instead of doing that, you're showing that them that you have gotten better and better at the process and that it's all about the process and that like, you know, like, I'm learning it too. Like that's such a cool thing that you're doing with your students and they, and the, uh, it, it seems like it's working really well. And that's that you say that's something that is a musical futures thing or was that a Robert abs thing? Well, I, when I discovered musical futures, it made sense to me. Um, it was kind of for me like, Oh yeah, well of course you teach music that way. So in my, in my sort of, you know, NQT in my newly qualified teaching year, that's when I really first dug into musical futures. So I'm still quite a new teacher out, you know, just fresh out of teacher training. And I came across it and I was just like, Oh yeah, well that makes sense. Um, but looking back at my own experience as a child, um, growing up learning music, I actually started learning the classical route. So I was a piano player at six and a violinist at seven. And I did all the associate board kind of, um, I don't know if that's something that gets over to the States and not associate board exams, but all the kind of classical grades. Um, I was kind of hadn't taken it, but I was playing above grade eight level at the time. I was about 12 or 13. So I was really into all of that. And my, my experience at that point was what you're talking about. The, the, um, the person at the front conducting 
the musical director. And there's a time and a place for that as well. Um, and then um, I went on a school trip with, uh, uh, with uh, my, my classmates and a guy in my class kind of, who I didn't know very well, we sort of were, were roomed together. We got to know each other better. And he was like, hey, let's start a band. I'll learn the guitar. You can play bass. Bass is like violin, right? It's only four strings. And I said, okay, mate, if you learn, if you learn to play guitar, I'll be a bass player. Not thinking he'd, you know, give it more than like, you know, a couple of days of, of, of practice before he realized it was very difficult to learn guitar. But no, he, he did. He was really super dedicated. And he, I basically taught myself into like, you know, I had to honor my commitment and learn the bass. And I never really looked back from that. And my experience learning the bass and playing. Now, I, I did have musicality. I did. I could read. I had, you know, pretty good um, aerial ability for my age. Um, but when I when I learned to play the bass in this band with these guys, I was on a very much a level playing field with those guys. It was all again about the music we were all listening to. You know, I think back in the, at that time it was Foo Fighters. I remember we played Monkey Wrench by the Foo Fighters for our our like graduation party or something like that. Um, in in a in a gymnasium, it sounded absolutely awful. But you know, the the spirit was there. Um, so musical futures stuff, that idea of all kind of digging in together from a level playing field, and nobody has to be the expert. We've all just got expertise. Um, or we've all got talents or abilities to bring to the table. You know, it's very much like a round circle kind of thinking rather than a hierarchical sort of way of doing things. So it kind of just made sense to me. Um, Lucy Green, Professor Lucy Green from the Institute of Education in London, sort of piloted the research into musical futures. Um, she was a lady that, that looked at how pop musicians learn and whether or not we could bring something from that realm into the classroom. And she Said, said a phrase that I, I, I stuck with me. She said, we, we, we try to encourage students, if they already have some prior knowledge, to be bimusical, kind of like bilingual, right? So that was me. I was very much um, uh, fluent in a certain way of, of, of learning music, of experiencing music, you know, reading notation. I couldn't do anything without a paper, piece of paper in front of me with notes on it. I couldn't, couldn't improvise. I didn't know what a triad chord was. I didn't know Nashville numbers all these kind of things. Um, what else? Um, yeah, I, I, I had to have like a teacher for more lessons. We went through the grade book, you know, that, we went through the scales, the arpeggios, that was it for me. And then to kind of um, be able to speak music in a completely different way, almost like a brand new language through learning with my friends, through learning informally, through listening to, to records, through working it out. You know, back then things like YouTube and stuff weren't even an option. So we would have to like, we, we, we would record like on VHS, um, uh, you know, gigs and stuff like TV shows with bands on that we were into. And we'd watch them over and over and over again. See, like, oh, what, what fret was that he was on and, and work it out together. The camaraderie of that, um, it made me feel much more connected to my peer group. And that's what I see in class is it's all about. So friendship groups for me, I don't make any um, choices about groupings. Or I really try hard not to. I want the kids to work with, with, with the people they want to work with, and I want them to connect with each, with each other with the music that they are all communally interested in. Um, sorry, I completely went off there, Bob, on a massive, massive tangent from probably what you asked me. But yeah, it was just a really interesting uh, thought experiment there to how I got into musical futures. Uh, the headphones thing, uh, by the way, I've seen Bob's um, um, modern band with headphones. It's brilliant. I love this silent disco king thing. So tell me, when you say the kids are on these silent disco headphones, they're on a radio frequency. So did I understand this right? Can the kids take those headphones home 
remote learning style and still hear each other with no latency? You would have to have a radio tower. <laughs> oh, okay. Without breaking any like uh, FCC regulations, uh, you would need like. <laughs> I mean, I guess that is. Whoa, whoa! Hold on, hold on. Because that would be mind blowing, right? Because that whole latency thing. You see, I'm jealous. When you said that you had kids who were in in a remote situation right now doing guitar class and they've never focused like they focused before. My kids don't have access necessarily to instruments in the home. Some kids do, but that's off their own back. That's off their own independent study outside of the classroom. We're not resourced at the point where I can give every, every child an instrument to take home, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, the, the, the concept that kids can still learn remotely at home and learn their instrument skills at home is, is something that sounds great. I'm really intrigued to hear more about. But I, I was really searching for a way to try and get that latency thing down. Now there was this, I forget what it's called. I'll have to send it to you, Bob, when I refine it. There was some, um, I don't know, coding nerds or something looking at a way of doing this where you could play together with each other over a certain platform online if you were in the same city without any latency. And it, and it was much better than say Zoom, for example. But yeah, we never got down that road where we could, we could ever play together, unfortunately, in, in online. I don't think anybody has got that answer, really, have they, for music teachers? No. Maybe you do right now because no. you're thinking radio tires, aren't well, you? Yeah, yeah. Hold on. I'll, yeah. Okay. So, that I mean, I used I tried to use something like that. I use Jamulus. I tried to use it with my dad. He plays guitar, um, and it's one of these like super uber nerd. Like you need to know the IP addresses, and you need to be able to push up your glasses many times per minute. Um, and it it still there was enough latency where it was difficult. It wasn't fun, mm. you know. Yeah. But the, okay. So, I mean, the student, so the way that I use the headphones is like, what, I mean, what it does is it makes a, a very small radio, uh, you know, it's like your own radio, what the, it's your radio frequency. So it's like your, your own station, your own radio station, but it's on a consumer band. Um, so what you, uh, what you do is you can, you can make it up to like, I think it's like a thousand meters, their biggest transmitter. So unless mm. you're. I mean, that's not a lot. You'd have to have kids that are really close to the school. Maybe Hong Kong, maybe it'll work because you said they're really tightly packed. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it depends on whatever the governing agency's policy is on, you know, consumer radio frequency bands and everything. I think it varies per country. Um, I mean, the, the way that I use it is like kids in the room, if they're all networked together, you could play Zoom to all those kids and you can have one kid play at home and all the kids in the room can hear that one kid and they can play with that one kid. And okay, then even cool. the, even, and so it's kind of synchronous, but what you could do, there are colleges, there are colleges that have their own radio station, uh -huh. right? So a college has their own radio station. I was, I was talking to, um, uh, it was actually, uh, the head of music at Bergen, um, community college. He was in beat Boot Camp. Um, like I'm sure they have their own radio station because so maybe at one point they could commandeer the radio station and be like all right for this next hour listeners unless you are in this music class just tune something else unless you want to hear us and then they could rehearse together but they would be playing all like literally all at the same time I don't know mm. how you'd use that but they would be you would be playing music at the same time 
you wouldn't be able to hear the people at home unless they all had radio towers. Um, but you'd be, you'd know that you're playing all at the same time, um, which is interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, that's the cool thing about the situation we're in is you just wouldn't ever entertain any of this in like a million years before all these, um, you know, issues of the worldwide over have come to um, affect what we do in our profession. Right. And it, it is that kind of, um, like you, like you talked about earlier, looking at, um, using uh, an obstruction as a pivot point to you know progress forwards from and and, and innovate from um the radio headset thing bob looks really awesome I, i'm really humbled to know that uh, my little kind of corner of the world over here managed to inspire something over there because i've seen the the performance you sent it to me this morning uh, or your evening and it's fantastic it sounds great um so tell me this would you because I, I think there's definitely a place for this. Beyond COVID, are you going to keep the headphones for some part of your, your curriculum? Yeah. And why would that be? Well, I, I want to do more of these things. So the, the video that he's talking about, I tried to make it like a, like a tiny, do you, do you know Tiny Desk Concert, like the NPR? I was thinking Tiny Desk, tiny desk yeah. So with, we with were the, doing the library. The library. Yeah. yeah, we were. I was gonna call it in the stacks instead of tiny desk because it's like in the the stacks of the the library. Um, but it's like you know I had like three cameras. Um, they were you know really high fidelity cameras. Like I use like really good lenses. I'll show it. I'll show some more um, really good lenses so that we got some like shallow depth of field. And you know they were going from one to the other, and we had, everyone was mic'd, so we were able to get you know a pretty good mix on the board. What's what's interesting is trying to mix out the mask. I had to find an EQ curve that made the mask go away for vocalists, which is right. another thing I never thought I'd have to do. Um, <clears throat> but like, yeah, it's just it's just really cool. But what I want there's also like Snarky Puppy has some concerts like the We yeah. Like It Here concerts uh, where they actually give headphones to the audience, so the audience gets the mix of the recording. And I think what we're, we're so used to just giving concerts in a concert hall. It's like, all right, come to the concert hall, make sure no food or drinks, blah, 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 be quiet, you know, no recording. Okay. What if it's, you know, I'll, I'll use them in rehearsals because I think it's amazing, especially with like this group. This group is never not going to have headphones at rehearsal. It's just like, just put on your headphones. It, they won't lie, you know? And then if we're recording, if I'm recording everything, I could just go like, all right, here's what measure 13 sounded like. And then they also had a click in their headphones at all times too. So then mm. it's like a real experience, but why not? You could have up to as many headphones could connect to the radio uh, station as like radio. You can have unlimited headphones. So you can have the whole audience could have a pair of headphones at this thing. And it would just be a, a totally different experience. So I'm definitely going to use headphones from now on. I want to circle back to like you were talking about. So you started from the on the page classical side of things like that's that's yeah. your upbringing and then you yeah. moved more towards this i love this this concept uh the the dr green concept of being bi-musical um like having both of those camps so i started on the exact opposite end of the spectrum i started as garage band nerd like i knew all my iron maiden and metallic riffs, riffs on guitar because i learned nice. tab and i listened to things so when i learned about note reading and i got my butt handed to me in college like I was like, oh shoot. And now my entire career as a musician has been trying to get that element as strong as my ear and everything else. 
um, from learning on, you know, in the musical futures way. I don't know what we're going to call it. Um, I call it like legit is like your side, the classical side. Those are like the legit players. And then, you know, like jazz people would say they're, they're just jazz people. Uh, even though I would say the other learning is jazz. It's jazz. It's hip hop. Like people Mm -hmm. talk about what hip hop is and what jazz is, which are the same thing. And that's, that's this oral tradition, oral and aural tradition. Um, and I think that being able to be like literate in both of those is, is an amazing thing. Um, so a a question about how, how do you, how do you teach musicianship in this musical futures model? Like how do you teach note reading? and like theory stuff yeah great question so um okay i'll just spit more top of my head here uh the first thing is uh, it's embedded into practical music making so the, the concept is really to get kids making music by making music right it's, it's teaching music musically is the term i think which means no chalk and talk, no like, or very little sort of objective setting or, you know, like um, sort of a- any intro to the lesson needs to be making music. There's no like bit in the lesson where the kids aren't. The only bit in the lesson where my kids aren't making music when they come in right now is because they're coming, grabbing a pair of headphones and a guitar cable and doing all that very much real world learning stuff that any sort of gigging musician needs to know is to set up their equipment, right? Then it's straight to business. So um, I, I would... Um, in terms of like theoretical concepts, I scaffold for them as much as possible. Um, so I've got, um, and, and you are such an inspiration for this, Bob. Like what I've probably taken away from the beat bootcamp more than anything is your approach to scaffolding and the, the um, front loading that you've prepared so that when something arises, if you need to then discuss, okay, here's how we hear, a chord progression, or I mean, what is a chord progression, or how do we how do we notate that? You've got that kind of thing ready to go. You've got that tutorial. You've got that worksheet. So, like you, I do quite a lot of that sort of idea. Of uh, I'm very fortunate that my kids all have a device, all have a laptop, so I do a lot of kind of online um, VLE stuff. Where okay, you need to learn how to read uh, ukulele chord diagrams. Go to the tutorial. Um, but it's kind of seeing what comes out of of what's required musically. Um, and of course, I've got a, a, a preconceived idea, having taught this way for quite a while, that they're going to need to know certain things from the get-go. Um, notation and stuff. Um, well, I'll, I'll talk about the current context I'm in right now with this bit of work within at the deep end, um, which is kind of, for me, see, Lucy Green, she started that at the very beginning of the musical futures process. I've actually flipped that, as I think a lot of teachers now practicing musical futures have done. You put it at the end as the accumulation of all these kind of skills being acquired. Um, so um, we're doing that right now. And um, notation-wise, some kids are readers. Some kids are from that side of that kind of bi-musical landscape where, where they've had that, that um, upbringing and they've got those chops. So they are uncomfortable with learning aorally. So we'll, we'll go and use score and we'll get notation for those guys. Good, boom, off you go. Um, other kids uh, haven't got hope in hell of learning how to read notation in like, you know, a six week project. So instead, for those kids, we look at things like um, diagrams, keyboard diagrams. You know that whole floaky thing, that YouTube thing where they can see that the notes rippling down the, the, the screen when they're playing the keyboard. Some kids really take to that. 
and they'll go on YouTube and they'll go to like half speed and they'll really follow visually. So the visual learners, okay, we'll do that sort of notation. I do a lot of things like um, uh, tab, uh, guitar chord diagrams. I do um, a lot of things where I show finger positions in tutorials. Um, but and I've done this before kind of informally when it was needed, but a big revelation which you've kind of sparked in my head is beat maps. Oh, that's so great. So every drummer right now is beat map, in, in beat map heaven. Um, I do a lot of sort of front loading earlier in, in, in the curriculum about um, time and notation, uh, I'm not sorry, not notation, duration, you know, the, the duration pyramid. So by the time my kids get a beat map with 16 notes in, Touch wood, every single child knows what one E and a two E and a three E and a means, and they can read that. Um, so I augment the aural experience with notation designed to suit each child for this particular unit in, in general, um, in particular, sorry. Um, it's a lot of work on my part. I've got to learn. So my average class size right now, I've got four bands in a class, and I'm doing this across six classes. So four times six, you do the math, that's how many songs I've got to learn. And then in each band, I've got up to five kids. And each kid in a band might need a very different set of notation. Some kids might not even take to A notation and then need me to be there one-on-one -on -one in the moment to show them physically what to do. Uh, I don't know if I answered your question at all, Bob, sorry. I just get on a, on a riff and I just go. And I, <laughs> I forgot what your question was in, 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 the, in the first instance. No, 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 those are, those are all, you were, all riffing on what it was it was about like you know how do you how do you teach the other side you know like i'm i'm always trying to teach the legit side from the standpoint of like yeah. garage band person and your looks like you're teaching the other side but like from i think the all right i hope there's two people listening and more people might listen later but you you might have taken i don't know if this exists where you grew up I, I it seems like it seems like in the states there are less students that have grown up reading music it seems like mm. i don't know if it is um if that is something that's in the uk or in hong kong it's just like more students had like private piano lessons and they could read music there's way less of that especially where i teach where i'm like a ring suburb of chicago maybe less than 1% of the student population who starts music knows how to read music. Um, and then the classes that I teach, none of them, unless they're in band or choir or something. So, and I've, I have taught it. This is, this is the thing that I'm going to get to. I've taught in like guitar stores before. I don't know if this exists where you are. There's like these guitar stores, like mom and pop guitar stores in the back. They have a couple of rooms. There's like, guys with greasy long hair that like you, you'd sign up for your half hour the guy's name is like Gary. You Zane. like go in Gary's room and then you're like, I want to learn this Foo Fighters song. I want to learn monkey wrench. And Gary's like, all right, I'm going to teach you monkey wrench. And then like Gary listens to monkey wrench. Gary gets really good at hearing monkey wrench, and knowing what's going on. And then Gary shows you the tab for monkey wrench. Gary shows you how to play all the cool riffs for monkey wrench you learn when you're in the room, you're like, heck yeah, I am, I am a foo fighter, you know, like I can monkey wrench all day, <laughs> but then it's kind of, it leaves like from teaching. Cause I used to teach 
you know, I, I was a, a private lesson, like traveling private lesson piano and guitar teacher for a, a year. And then I did sub work at those, those, and I was like a full-time teacher in that situation. And I was also, I came out of that. Um, and like you learn, it's like teach a man to fish. They learn for a day, you know, no, no, teach, give a man a fish. They learn for a day. It's like that kind of thing. And I'm just wondering, mm. but it sounds like your students are maintaining, um, like knowledge throughout it's just in my experience with that way of teaching. And it's the same thing with, we have little kids rock in the States, um, which sounds very sure. similar to musical futures. Um, absolutely is. Yeah. And the, I don't think they get to notation. I don't know a hundred percent, but it seems like, uh, it's a similar thing from the people I've talked to who use it. Like the engagements there right away. Students are having fun making music, but like the higher level learning is an extra thing that they need to tack on. But it sounds like you have found a way to make it work um, with your with your teaching situation. And then you, 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 what level? I mean, the the work that you showed me because you sent me a, a a a video that was scored by your students, and it was like holy cow! And that was all in Soundtrap. Um, I could tell because in the first song I heard muffled kit, which is one of my go-to drum sets. And I was like, oh, there's muffled That's kit great. Right there. I hear muffled kit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you, you teach middle school and the work that is coming yeah. out sounds higher than middle school. So what do they do at the high school then? Um, okay. Uh, lots of impact there. Uh, I'll come back to the high school thing, if you don't mind. Um, so, I, I guess what you're talking about here, Bob, I, I understand is, is um, it's the enduring understanding element, isn't it? It's we get kids, we get them in, we get them playing, we get them making music. Simple, but bold, confident, you know, block chords, one, four, five, whatever. And to them, it sounds brilliant and they have fun. How do we then embellish that understanding to make it lasting and 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 um, weave around that some 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 sort of deeper concepts? And I, and I think um, our head of school here, um, Anita Simpson, she's always saying this phrase where to get anything stick, you've, I think it's from the advertising world, to get any, anything to stick, you've got to say it seven times. <laughs> so a, a lot of it is just like not reinventing the wheel, but going back around the wheel again and again, you know, like, um, and, and doing it in such a scaffolded way that the, the, the training wheels can slowly come off. Um, so I, I talked about in at the deep end, which is kind of like the, the accumulation of my curriculum. But to begin with, we do lots of sort of um, musical futures, does something else called just play where the kids come in and they, you can do this as a, like an individual instrumental thing or a whole class thing. And I, I've done some of this and I really want to look into this more for the whole class thing at the beginning of like, we, we start middle school in grade five here. So kind of grade five, maybe even grade six. And it's looking at, um, everybody's going to play guitar. And everybody's going to come away with some enduring understanding about the guitar from that from that particular unit. So that could be, uh, I don't know, how to retap. That could be um, knowing some basic chords. And we're talking like really simple three string, you know, triad chords, that kind of thing. Um, and then they go and do that again with other instruments. So they might do that with keyboard and, uh, you know, the whole play one, this one, play one, this one, play one thing to make a triad chord. It's something I say over and over and over and over again. So it, it, it's just about like scaffolding really well through your curriculum and designing your curriculum really well. So as the kids kind of grow through the curriculum, 
they're scaffolded in such a way that um, their understanding is, is, is um, embellished and supported. Um, and then it's the application of that understanding. I think to get enduring understanding, they've got to be able to apply it, right? So that's what In at the Deep End is trying to do, is saying, okay, by now you know how to, you know what a triad chord is. You know how to take a triad chord if you've studied a bit of keyboard, if you kind of, you know, you went down the keyboard route, you know how to make a triad chord in your left hand and do inversions. And what is an inversion? You know how to make a simple um, root fifth uh, octave left hand accompaniment part. So yeah, it, 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 my curriculum kind of looks to scaffold all those kind of skills so that it's not just, okay, we made, we, we made a great noise for, you know, a 50 minute lesson and then um, we have like a vacation for a week and we come back and we've, we've forgotten what we did and we move on from that anyway. And it's just like done in, it's not compartmentalized, right? So the skills are not compartmentalized and the theory is not compartmentalized. It goes through everything that we do in the curriculum. Um, yeah. Um, high school. What are they well, doing let's, in let's, high school? Let's, it's a let's, bit pause of a... For, let's pause for a second. So that, I think that's the sure. key. To, that's the key to remediate the gariness of this kind of learning. It's you need to yeah. be able to look from a higher viewpoint and, and see this organic thing going on, repeat it so that they have success. But then, you know, they're, they're, they're learning these skills is not like, it's like you're doing one, you know, you learn monkey wrench and then you go home and then you come back again to Gary's room on Monday and you learn a different song. It's like in an institution, it's, it's, you're more of a facilitator. Um, and it, okay. Okay. So I know what Gary is. I know what the Gary is. Gary is the non-legit conductor. So in legit, you have the conductor who is the top musician in the room. They are, they are in control of the music. They understand what's going on in the room. The kids are just reading the, they're reading the ink. Like nothing is going by behind the, beyond the ink. They don't know, like their ear isn't getting engaged that well, you know, like nothing's happening. The conductor they're they know what's going they know what's up you know they heard the theory that they're the chord clarinets clarinets pitch that up a little bit they're, they're not telling them um gary is the conductor but of the other side you know gary is has the ears gary is telling the students what to do but they're not facilitating that kind of learning and i think that's what you're doing that's what you're talking about um yeah, yeah it's kind of posing everything as a question rather than as an answer Right, so you can tell the kids what's gone wrong, or why they can't, why that bar chord sounds rubbish because they haven't got the finger pressure. But instead of just telling them, you can pose it as a question and get them to work through it with you, and then the enduring understanding sticks a lot more. So it's like experiential facilitation, isn't it? Um, yeah, you're right. Gary's um, job is to teach like a song to a kid for half an hour and then we'll see like, I don't know, 20 kids in a day. And by the time this next kid comes around again a week later, they've forgotten what song it was. It's also about building progression and pathways and, and making links between understanding and links between your curriculum, which is why the whole curriculum model and the map of it is really important. You know, um, we do, for example, um, whole class performances to sort of build up ensemble skills with really simple stuff like uh, stand by me or um three little birds a three chord wonder you know and then we know about that and when we go on to do other things we can talk do you remember that three little birds chords well there's three of them in this piece but we've got six chords now you know what what which ones do we remember which ones are different 
what's different about them, asking questions and getting kids to kind of formulate their own understanding. I think that talks about the, faci the facilitation element, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, it's just, I think it's because I had such a negative experience mm. with the Garys that I am, uh, I'm, I have fear of it, you know, but you're presenting it in such a way where I need to reevaluate my perception of it which I think is something that we need to be open to as educators and people is like, all right, someone said something that makes sense, that goes against what you thought. Rethink what you thought instead of think what you thought harder and stronger and louder. Anyway, um, so yeah, if you, could, if you could talk about the high school and what, what they do at the high school. Absolutely. So the high school situation is probably the hardest hit in our school at the moment here. Um, uh, and when I say the hardest hit, I'm talking about the whole school, like from uh, elementary all the way through to high school. Um, high school is is um, a band program, like the American traditional band program. Um, and that was in existence here before I arrived. And significant investment was put into the school to make sure that we had you know, instruments like the big ones, like the tubers and whatever, the timpani and stuff. Um, that can't happen right now, unfortunately, because COVID restrictions here have stipulated that no wind or brass instruments can be played. So um, I have a new colleague this year. She's wonderful, a lady called Janine Waynes, um, who's come from Canada uh, with, I don't know, 15, 20,000 years of band experience at middle and high school level. And um, she's come into a situation where, you know, her wheelhouse has been demolished and she can't do what, she's, what she would normally do. So Janine has, for the first time, taken on music technology with Soundtrap. And um, we sort of facilitate and liaise uh, together on what, what to teach there. Um, and she's doing things like, uh, I should do this great thing where she did a, a unit of work where the kids had to make a ringtone. And they had to make the ringtone gradually get more and more annoying and incessant. So you have to pick up the phone. Um, so she's super creative, right? But this, this is a lady who's never had to do these things before and has really uh, taken on a, a huge chunk of, 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 of new uh, learning herself, but she's doing great things with it. Um, we have a choir program, which is in its infancy, starting out in high school at the moment too, because singing is allowed with masks on, thankfully. Um, next year, the decision was taken in high school not to offer band again, because we just don't know what the landscape will look like. And for forward planning, a decision had to be made. So next year in high school, instead, these are all brand new courses. There's going to be music technology again. Hopefully we've got enough signups, fingers crossed, um, for um, uh, um, an introductionary class, but also like a level two. Because I think you do that as well, Bob, right? You do a level one, level two. So it looks like we're going to get intro into music technology and level two, um, which is which is great. Jenny, if you listen to this, brilliant work, really well done with that. Um, we're going to have an, a musical appreciation class, um, an instrumental class, and choir. Now, the instrumental class really is anything but wind and brass. So it really depends what the kids turn up with and what they can play. Um, so I don't know. I think, of, I think of bands like, I don't know if you've heard of the Polyphonic Spree or, or Arcade Fire, these bands where they've got like, you know, modern band instruments on stage for sure, but then they'll have like, I don't know, mandolin and violins and trombone and, you know, French horn and clarinet. So um, 
it, high school's a little bit of a I kind of hit the reset button big time at the moment and see what happens next year. The, the um, long-term thinking is that we would like to incorporate more of the band program back into high school because that's what's been invested in. And previously we've had a legacy of that being successful. For example, our school band every year goes and plays Disneyland. Um, and and it's, a, it's a great day out for the kids. Um, and it's really nice for them to, to be able to put that on. They, they do normally caroling where they walk, they go around the school at Christmas time and play instruments and stuff, you know. So we want that, that legacy to come back into the school. But also we're hoping to get the band program to come down a bit into middle school. And I'm hoping to see some of my program kind of cross over. Because I do think, going back to this bilingual, not bilingual, sorry, bi-musical concept, it's about reaching kids with multiple learning pathways, right? Um, what my background was or how I learned classically might not work for some kids. You know, they may, may reach that down the line later. Some kids may be the producer hip hop type guy or girl and they're not into the whole group music making thing, but they really get lost in this really cool sonic zone where hours roll by when they're on soundtrack, right? Or, or you may have kids who singing's their bag and they, you know, we, we're trying to build a program here where we cater for all sorts of different learning pathways. Wow. That's an incredible amount of work. I, I know that some teachers would hear, oh, you're going to, well, first of all, Janine, she was in beat boot camp, right? Was she in beat boot camp? Yeah, Janine, Janine got, got sort of seconded into another PD and she's intending to come back to beat, beat boot camp this summer. She apologized once for not coming to a synchronous session. She's like, I'm not coming. I, 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 uh, I'm going skydiving. And then she sent me a picture of her skydiving. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> that's amazing you know <laughs> that's the kind of person yeah. she is um yeah. it, it, it sounds like you know if if a, if a teacher there's so many teachers that i know that if they heard like oh band's gone next year and you know kudos for your admin to actually like it, we're waiting to make calls for next year still mm. um, which is really difficult we've been very reactive tough. um because you know i knew i knew we would be fully remote over the summer, the summer of 2020, and I worked my butt off to get all of my guitar sequence done so that we're ready. Um, but yeah. we didn't make the call that we're going to be fully remote until a few days before school started, and that's like how everybody went. So no one had things prepared, um, and now we finally have an opportunity to, to think proactively. But you know, luckily we can play wind instruments with heavily modified. Where they have like bags around them. We have another modern mm. band video where they're it's all an instrumental and you know it's weird instrumentation. It worked out really cool, but like flute player has a slit in her mask and she has to like it's craziness. Um, but you know we at least have that. Um, and you know if if I if some of those band directors heard that oh you're now teaching five new classes, <laughs> there would be a band director shortage you know like everyone would be like i'm out bye I'm going skydiving yeah. yeah um yeah so kudos to her and kudos for yeah, she's done fantastic. that situation yeah and you know if, if anyone else is listening and is in a similar situation um so i i've i'm fortunate when it comes to being online with soundtrack i i have also a background in music technology um i basically did a degree which was performing and tech and i majored in performing but somehow when I got into teaching, every school looked at me and they saw the tech part of my degree and thought, oh, you're a tech guy. We need one of those. 
So I learned very quickly to, to say, yes, I'm a tech guy. <laughs> and then I scrambled, you know, I got a job and scrambled in my, in my summer vacation and got a, got a private choose with Logic. And, and I never looked back, actually. I, I also really loved the whole sonic space, as I was talking about, that some students have got with, with online, uh, online learning. That sonic space you get into with, with a DOW and just, you know, the studio at your fingertips. Janine's never had that. And I think um, that's what's great about your Beat Bootcamp. I think it really tailors well to the, to the colleagues we have, which are the choir directors, which are the string specialists, which find themselves in a situation all of a sudden where they have to rely on tech. And Janine's a great example of how it, how it can be a success. And you don't have to have my background. You don't have to be an expert with technology. It helps to have somebody out there that can guide you, which Janine has in me, and, and anybody who's listening has the opportunity through Bob and what you do as well, uh, and your PD, which is excellent. Um, but yeah, it is daunting though, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm super fortunate that I've been able to kind of modify what I do uh, in the classroom, but still make it work. Janine's had to completely reinvent everything, both for asynchronous learning, but also synchronous learning too. She knows about the, um, the band stuff, over in the States and Canada, I think as well, where there's kind of these modified instrument masks, I suppose, whatever they're called. And she's like, oh, I wish we could do that. Uh, but sadly, that's not been, uh, our admin is really good. They're, they're really re um, proactive, um, but we're dealing with quite um, a, a reactive um, educational bureau. And that's kind of fair enough. They have to kind of wait, I guess, and see what, what the COVID situation is like and can't make judgment calls weeks in advance. So we still have, have had to deal with those things quite quickly. I mean, right now, if we go to this new schedule, admin have got four days to turn around, busing, lunches, having all kids back on campus, the work. So it's uh, tough times. For sure, yeah. I can't imagine if I was an administrator right now. If, if, you're, if you're listening and you're still in session tomorrow, go up to your immediate supervisor and say thank you because as much as we think this is annoying and horrible having to make more judgment calls that carry more weight has to be really difficult so go up to your admin tomorrow give them a social distant hug and then say thanks and thanks for being you know awesome so um to, to close like if if anyone wanted to learn more about um, musical futures and then the kind of pedagogy that you were outlining, where, where should they go? Um, musical Futures International is the, is the um, website that I would just Google that, Musical Futures International. Now there is a UK based Musical Futures as well, and that's also excellent. Um, there's been kind of like uh, two bodies come out of the initial Musical Futures pilot, and one's like more of an international minded um, group of educators. So for anybody in the States, I would probably recommend that, Musical Futures International. Um, uh, a lady called Anna Gower, who is I know from back in my time in London. She's now a teacher teaching in Bangkok. She's been involved in Musical Futures for a long, long time. And um, she's definitely worth a follow on Twitter. And from that, you'll get down the, the, the Musical Futures rabbit hole. Um, on the website, there is um, a really good um, set of resources um the musical futures international i think also in the uk now as well it was originally funded so it was a charity uh, it, it was free and then funding was kind of scheduled for a certain amount of time it's now run out so there are they are paid resources but they're very modest in, in in how much they cost 
and all the different um, pedagogical approaches that underpin musical futures are all laid out for you there as well. So you can dig into that. Um, it'd be a good summer vacation project for somebody who's interested. I, I would recommend spending a bit of time digging into the why as well as the what and the how. Um, yeah, they, they would be two really good places to, to look into, I, I would say. And then there's, there's lots of teachers doing it as well who blog. Um, a guy called Stephen Jackman uh, at Shrewsbury International School in Bangkok. His blog's really worth following. Um, there's a lady called Jane, I hope I pronounced your, your surname right, Jane. Jane Weary, I think, W-E-R-R-Y. She's a fantastic head of department in a, in a city school in London who's been there for 15 plus years, I think, who's a, a great champion of musical futures too. Her blog is really worth checking out as well. Well, thank you so much, uh, Rob, for, for everything that I've had revelations from our conversation. And hopefully, uh, listeners, viewers, you have had them too. Um, have a great rest of the year, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Absolutely, Bob. I've really enjoyed uh, our, our conversations, and, and I hope they continue over the, uh, the digital ether. And um, likewise, I, I've really, really enjoyed getting to know you and seeing how you work as well. Bob is really on his game in terms of prep, the, the front loading, the resourcing. Um, wow, I, I, I've really, I'm very humbled with my cruddy little um, iPhone camera, uh, you know, out of focus tutorial uh, videos. Uh, I'm definitely going to go back and rethink that. What I like about what you do, Bob, is how you, you talked about having to get your, your guitar course in shape. Well, everything I've seen of yours is in super shape. And um, it seems like you've really thought about the transition through your, your schemes of work and the resources you've got are just absolutely outstanding. Um, I think any kid who's using your resources or, or has been taught in, in, in your department is a, a very lucky student to have such a, a well-prepped, talented music teacher like you. Oh, thank you so much. All right, I'm really bad at ending live streams and ending podcasts, so I'll do it by making the music louder, by going like this, uh, and then by fading out, because I can fade out. Here's the fade out. Have a good one. All right.